0: I'll tell you one thing, he's going to have fruit from the book that he put out that encouraged my wife to draw near to Jesus. And for some of y'all, that might just not sit well. Well, Mm -hmm. you know, things that Jesus spoke didn't sit well with people either. So, you know, welcome to the real world. Hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of the God Known Podcast. Today we are unfolding the fivefold. I'm kind of excited about this one. Why is that? Well, because I really love the body of Christ. Um, I love the church as a whole. I love the whole body. I love that every part does its share and how intricate God has designed it and how he has orchestrated the body in such a way that it brings nourishment and growth. Mm -hmm. When I look at bible in the time of the apostles and i look at where we are now and how much the church has grown and expanded that's all thanks and due to the holy ghost living in the body moving through the body uniting the body and leading the church there's been a lot of bad but there's been a lot more beautiful and good Mm -hmm. so that's kind of why so yeah um i'm gonna jump right into a scripture We're going to talk briefly about this and just kind of go as the Holy Spirit leads. Today, we're going to unpack the fivefold though, and what that means is we're going to talk about the main five callings of the pastors, apostles, prophets, evangelists, and teachers, and and just what God says about that in His Word and what that's supposed to look like in a healthy church. So without further ado, we're going to go to Ephesians 4, and I'm going to start in verse 10, and it says, He who descended is also the one who ascended far above the heavens that he might fill all things because he gave gifts. And verse 11, and he himself, Christ Jesus, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and knowledge of the son of God to a perfect man. To the measure of the stature of fullness of Christ. And it says, it goes on to say that we should not be tossed to and fro by the winds of doctrine anymore, but we would come to the unity of the truth. So I love that because, right even in there, it says that the fivefold are there for the equipping of the saints of the work of ministry, and that is for the edifying of the body of Christ. So it's really powerful when you think about it in a different perspective because quite often we think a pastor is meant to lead a church, and that is true, but a pastor is meant to equip the saints for the working of ministry. I don't feel called to the ministry. Are you a saint? Then you are called to the ministry. Are you a follower of Jesus? Then you're called to the ministry. You know, we might think like, you know, an evangelist is someone who travels and preaches and they're ones that are going to different churches and sharing a message that's really powerful and dynamic and a fresh new word from the Lord. But the evangelist, according to scripture here, is meant to equip the saints for the effectual working of ministry. You know, a prophet goes around and prophesies, man, this one's very prophetic and that one's really anointed and stuff. That's all good and well. But a prophet is meant for edifying the body to equip the saints for the working of ministry. That's what the fivefold are there for. Um, we don't see that all the time the way we should. And we're gonna unpack that a bit today. But it's really important to know that is the purpose of a pastor, an apostle, prophet, teacher, and evangelist. They are meant to equip you and me and everyone in the body including those around them, to do the working of ministry. We are all called to be ministers of reconciliation to Jesus Christ.
1: In a way, are we all part of that fivefold then? Or is it just that everybody, um, some have more of a gift in that area than others?
0: So I would even call it a gift, and that's the interesting part when we think about this. So when you look at the fivefold, okay, when you look at um, what it says there, Our church has a college group. Many churches nowadays, it's becoming a trending thing. Don't take that uh, um, in in a uh, slandering way. Mm -hmm. But it's a trending thing now to have a college ministry in your church. Because it brings people to your church for college ministry versus some other university or other ministry. That's not potentially a bad thing at all, because we want people not only to uh, know the word of God and to walk in the word of God, but I mean, there's Christian college ministry for business and you know, music and design and media, and I think it's very key and important that the church is running the forefront of that to where they're putting the most important element on it, and that is seeking God first and living for God. But I could go to a church sign up for their college program and become a pastor and go out and travel and preach because the church has ordained me as a pastor and get before the Lord one day and stand before him and suffer loss of everything. What? Yeah, because God gave some. And i think sometimes we miss that because we see somebody ordained or somebody's leading a church that god has called them to that's not always the case god gave some and that means that christ is the one making that so no we're not all evangelists prophets mm-hmm. apostles teachers and pastors now i do believe everyone's called to evangelize right mm-hmm. but the heart of an evangelist is always in that forefront and mind most of the people I talk to, when I talk to them about evangelism and stuff, they're they're not always like, man, I never really, I'm not thinking that often about like going to the grocery store and man, and going to this movies and like looking behind me who I can talk to. But the heart of an evangelist is always looking to share the gospel and 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 spread the gospel message. So when we look at these and when we look at the biblical understanding out of the Church of Acts, the apostles were the head. The apostles are called to do many things. I personally believe from what I read in the scriptures and gather, the apostles are people who can flow in all the giftings of teaching, pastors, evangelists, prophetic anointing, as well as apostolic is there to build up, plant churches, tear down where it's needed, but doing in a godly, loving way, um, to reconstruct things, if you will. There's a lot of talks today in podcasts about deconstruction and different stuff like that but i believe that's what an apostle is called to be and when you look at it you would usually think pastors the head right like pastors out of the church but the first thing god says is he gave some to be apostles then prophets then evangelists then pastors and teachers apostle goes into an region shares and proclaims the the gospel right Mm-hmm. then prophets come in or come alongside him, or he might even speak prophetically or show prophetic signs and wonders that point even more to towards God. Then evangelism begins to take place, which is making of disciples, and then the installing of a pastor and a teacher to help them grow in the truth.
1: And so the pastor and teacher would be more so at the local level.
0: Yep, at the local level. For somewhat. And there are traveling pastors and teachers, and we know this, and pastors travel and preach to other places, and that's completely fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But that is the five-fold ministry as far as it goes in the purpose there. Um, one of the things I would say that I, I want to really just touch on lightly is when I got newly saved, um, I really just saw a sense of sadness in my soul for what I saw going on in the church today. This isn't a diss on pastors. This is actually a encouragement for you and me to understand if you go to a local church, which most of us, if not all of us should be involved in it. That's biblical. Okay. Don't forsake the fellowshipping of one another together. God knits the body together as he sees fit. So each part doesn't share, causing us all to grow. So you have a gifting to be in a local church and to serve when you're scrubbing the toilets in your local church you're edifying the body in one way or another, and you get to grow in love, and they get to grow in love because of it. When you're not there, they're missing out on your gift of edification, and you're missing out on their gifts to your heart of edification. So that is part of the process. Well, what I saw, babe, was I just saw pastors trying to do it all. Pastors every Sunday have a gospel message. Yep. They have a prayer of salvation trying to reach the lost. They're trying to equip the saints where they can. And they're also trying to, you know, from time to time, speaking prophetically. I mean, our church, one of the churches we went to in Michigan was very, like, I mean, they would be up there with their phones, remember, on Sunday. And they'd be like, is anybody in here named Sally? And nobody would be in there named Sally's. Uh, is there a Tim in here? Does anybody have the number 13? Does it make sense? Um, Friday the 13th? Like, you know, and I'm like, that's not really prophetic. And And sometimes we're taught to, like, you know, we just got to, you got to, you know, train yourself through it until you get it right. And, like, that's not actually discerning the heart of the Lord at all. So, um, but so I saw this and, and I feel there's a sense of burden when it comes to pastors because pastors, in a sense, they are shepherds. That is the Greek word. They're called to shepherd, um, which is a heavy word with sometimes cause shepherding, you know, it can get into a mix of things, but, but my heart, the way I see it and the way I see it in the Bible, pastors are meant to bring the meat of the word. And, and some of you might go, well, yeah, what about the people who are newly saved in the church? That's the call of the saints. Is to minister, do the work of the ministry, and make discipleship weekly, gathering in their homes, right? Breaking Mm -hmm. bread daily, talking with, encouraging, and discipling people. So when they go to church and gather on Sunday, the pastor can be fully equipped to share a fully strong message of meat to the body to teach them more, to equip them more, to go back out into the streets and to minister more in their workplaces, their businesses, their whatever they're doing entrepreneurially, that kind of a stuff. But today we have, I, I believe, somewhat of a stopping in the body to where the church pastors are like literally doing it all because it has to be done. So yeah, yeah, indeed. <laughs> teachers, um, I would say I want to touch on teachers briefly. Um, teachers, James 3 verse 1 talks about not let many of you become teachers because teachers will be held to a stricter judgment. And some of us go, well, I'm not really a teacher, but I share the gospel sometimes. If you share the gospel beyond just the simple Jesus loves you, he died on the cross for you, turn to Jesus, repent of your way that you're thinking is right in your sins, and turn to holiness in Christ, any more than that, you are teaching on some level. And I'd be really careful with that. It's important. That's one thing I take in the word Very seriously, when we read the Word of God, I believe I am a teacher. Um, I've I've had all the callings spoken over me. We'll get into that maybe a little bit later on, too. I've had at one point in time somebody tell me I'm an apostle, a pastor, a prophet, teacher, evangelist. I'm a son of God. I'm a child of God. I love Jesus. I don't get into the titles. I don't walk around going, hey, did you know that someone told me I was a... I don't. But teacher is something that I love to teach the Word of God. And I know very clearly in James, and I take that very serious, what I teach on, I will have to give an account for one day. Anybody who teaches, you will be held to a stricter judgment on the day of judgment. Oh, you taught this. Oh, it wasn't this. Oh, I know I missed that. Sorry, God. Oh, it's okay. You're all good. No. Why didn't you seek me? Why didn't you seek my heart out specifically for that? In fact, I actually want to go into this for this verse. I wanted to um share this for apostles, but when I... I I really feel like I want to do it for this one instead. It's very interesting um, when we read. I believe it's in Jeremiah, where he says in Jeremiah 23, verses 21 through 24. I want to read this. I have not sent these prophets, and I know it's talking about prophets, but just hear this. Yet they ran. I have not spoken to them. Yet they prophesied. But if they had stood in my counsel, do you hear that? If they had stood in my counsel, and it had caused my people to hear my words then they would have turned them from their evil way and the way of their evil doings. Am I God near at hand, says the Lord, Am and, and not a God that's far off? Can anyone hide himself in secret places so I shall not see him, says the Lord? Do I not feel heaven and earth? So when you look at that, one of the key things there, and I know he's speaking of prophets, but I believe it. it really goes to all of the body. If they had stood in my counsel, the secret place, right? We don't spend time in the secret place just to be intimate with Jesus like, I'm in the secret place. I'm just here to be with you, God. Let me tell you some things. No, it's okay. I don't need that. I just want to be with you and worship you and love you. Like we're meant to come into the secret place without an agenda to love Jesus, to be with him, but it's also to get counseling from him. The Holy Spirit is the counselor, right? And so when we come into that place, bless you. Thank you. And when we come into that place of counseling, God can give us the instruction and guide us Holy Spirit will lead us into truth so we can teach the truth properly. There's a lot of people today erring uh, on the side of grace. But the problem is it's, it's improper doctrine and it's actually leading people astray or leading people towards lawlessness. So,
1: yeah, I think that even for myself, as I'm listening to you, I feel a little bit of confusion between pastors and teachers, mainly because it feels like pastors are teachers. hmm so what is the difference
0: so a pastor is a shepherd right mm-hmm. of the flock pastors to care for the flock tend to the flock help the flock right mm-hmm. make sure the plot the flock stays safe stays free from danger and harm right doesn't stray off the path pastor doesn't teach the sheep to go work on a truck right pastor doesn't teach the sheep things to do um vocationally if you will a teacher is somebody who comes in and teach people here's what the bible says about prayer and intercession mm-hmm. here's a more deeper in depth on this here's here's what the bible says about prophecy teaches people to be um good stewards over their children right mm-hmm. so teachers are meant to expound on the word of god where pastors are meant to actually shelter the flock and and keep the flock from harm and, and direct the, the flock in a certain direction
1: but then, why are pastors preaching and teaching?
0: And preaching and teaching. So, because some are, some are both. But so here's the thing: what I think what you're getting at is like a pastor will preach a message on Sunday morning, right? Yeah. So they're preaching the gospel, but they're not always necessarily teaching. Like I will take one excerpt from the church where we we had something um, where our pastor was talking about. It was talking about. Um, you are responsible, right? And owning that responsibility. She took the verse in scripture where it talks about accountability and stuff. Mm -hmm. And then she began to teach on that, right? But then there's other times where pastors shared the message of the cross. And it's very simple. And there's not really much teaching. It's just literally a preaching of God has called you to himself. God has called you to live for him. And that's preaching. And that's not really teaching. That's just actually telling people this is the place you're meant to be.
1: So is the pastor supposed to be more in personal relationship with the body then? Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. And the, uh,
1: so that's where we see a, a big gap.
0: Yeah, there is a big gap, I think, today. It depends on the church. It depends on the size of the church. Yeah. And, and that's where, like, there has to be delegation. Mm-hmm. I, I think that um when you think of it, it brings to mind the story of Moses, right, with Jethro. Moses is trying to take care of all this stuff. Let's say he's the pastor, right? Moses is the head pastor. He's trying to take care of all this stuff. Jethro's like, look. You need some other pastors bro you need some other pastors because you can't handle all this and all yeah. these people so let these ones settle the smaller matters it matters and you handle yeah. the bigger matters yeah. yeah so sometimes they're too stretched thin mm-hmm. um we see that in churches today it's, it's very evident and real um they should be approachable though
1: mm-hmm. right
0: when have you ever seen in a farming community sheep that couldn't walk up to the shepherd right so so that's that's the case Um, Today, and and I think it is real, and and we can talk about it and just say it, call it for what it is. There is a certain celebrity Christianity mentality that somewhat comes off in the church. And and that, again, gets back into James, um, a very real danger in that where it talks about how we become judges with evil intent in our heart, where we see somebody come in with fine apparel versus somebody comes in rags. And we go, oh, you just go sit over there. Oh, hey, man, how you doing? Right in fine apparel. I've seen that in churches where certain people came in because I've helped out with um, worship teams that have come to our churches in Michigan. And man, when certain people would come in, certain leaders would be like, oh, my gosh, that's so-and-so, that's yeah. so-and-so. And it's like, yeah, they're another Christian just like you doing their job as part of the body, Mm -hmm. ministering to the body. Why are you so excited about them? Have you seen these people that have been here every week in your church ushering? Man, they're amazing. They're awesome. And we miss that sometimes. So yeah, a pastor should be approachable. And I think for the most part, some of our pastors are at our church. You know, They're very approachable um, more than others. And, And that's not for me to say one way or the other on that. I will say that I know, me personally, when I've been in the church, and I've been in the church for nearly 18 years, I've always just been someone that's approachable. Like, I always try to um, have my phone number available if someone needs it. Um, you can contact me if you need to, because I'm not making myself of a reputation. That's actually another scripture I want to go to that's interesting. It's Paul talking about the super apostles, right? And it's really, really cool and very wild. 2 Corinthians 10, verses 12, Paul says, For we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves, but they, measuring themselves by themselves, and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. So really what he's saying there is like, we're we're not gonna be like those that just look at other people like, oh, I'm, I'm I'm a pastor. Oh, I'm I'm making moves in ministry. God's hand is on my life. Why? Because my church is growing and his church is growing and my church is like his church. And, and man, oh, I'm definitely a prophetic man of God because man, I get around people and I'm influential just like that prophet there. And I have words that have come to pass. And, and that's very unwise that you look at another person and what they're doing or what God is doing in their life or on their life and say, man, because I've been saved almost 18 years. And so I've traveled out to Israel. I've, I've, been around big gatherings. I've been around small gatherings. And yet, for me, I have a very small Instagram following. I've never tried to make something of myself. God is going to increase my influence or not at all. I love the gospel of John. I was reading it the other day where John literally says, because it's cool. Disciples come to him. He goes, Hey, man, Jesus is baptizing more than you. Uh oh. What are we going to do? We got a real Jesus in. We can't let his church get bigger than ours. And John goes, I must decrease and he must increase. And and what that was saying there is he's like literally going, look, I was the forerunner proclaiming that Christ was coming. And now that Christ has come, the forerunner of his coming must decrease. Now the gospel is here and the gospel message of the kingdom must increase. And I love what he says next. He goes, nobody can receive anything unless God gives it to them from heaven.
1: So how do you know that God has appointed so-and-so to be the apostle of the area or the prophet or the evangelist because yeah like you said we can go to college and pay and pass the test and get you know the the degree and the approval which quite frankly most churches require uh degrees now to do any kind of work for them so um I mean, we're to study, to show ourselves approved. Right. But how, in in light of what you're saying, how do you know that somebody is who God appointed versus who just um, is able to do all the right things?
0: Right. So I really believe one of the confirming ways is through um, the mouth of two or three witnesses. The Bible mm-hmm. talks about that. Let every word be confirmed through the mouth of two or three witnesses. Right. Um... Back in 2012, I was doing something uh, called Gathering the Bride, and it was a time where we were getting together with churches. We got every church together from every denomination you could imagine that was willing to for a day of repentance at the Rosa Parks Circle in Grand Rapids, Michigan. We wanted churches to come together collectively for a day of just, God, forgive us where we've missed the mark, and we've forgotten the calling of Christ is to love, to love you and to love our brothers and sisters and those might even be lost. And it was interesting. I remember one of the guys was a Catholic priest and he's like, I just see the spirit of Elijah on you. The things that came out of that. Yeah. I forgot about that. The things that came out of that though, right? Like Catholic priest literally prophesying over me in 2012. I see the spirit of Elijah on you. Like, okay. And, um, I had somebody who was one of the worship teams, um, that I knew. And he sat down with me one day when we were talking over the vision of it. And he said, I really, feel like you have an apostolic calling. Now, up until that time, I've been saved about six years. I've heard that I've had a spirit of prophecy over me. That was from a pastor at a big assembly of God church. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had other people say that as well too. Um, but I never really heard apostle and I kind of was like, I don't really know where I stand in all that because I don't seek the word out to find out what an apostle is. And then, okay, how can I confirm that I am one? Right?
1: Yeah. And it's not, a word that's tossed around a lot, even in the church. Like,
0: no, it's not. It's definitely not an apostolic calling or the apostles. Mm -hmm. And and so I really just kind of wrestled that and questioned that. But, um, around that same time, the prayer center there who was helping fund what we were doing and believed in the vision, they actually felt like there was an apostolic calling on our life or on my life. And then a what it was all within like a week. We went to a prayer gathering where guy was going to be uh, working on building an international house of prayer. Um, he was from Africa. He was a minister. He was with a couple of his disciples there. I say it like that. It's kind of funny. I just knew they were with him from Africa. It was awesome. Yeah. But I, I spoke with him and we talked. And he's like, brother, there is an apostolic calling on your life. So it was like three times. And there was a fourth, but it was three times mm-hmm. within a week. And I remember actually walking out from that meeting because the people we were connected with at the time, they were just into some things. I don't know fully what was going on, but I believe there was possibly some witchcraft involved in it. But we walked out from that meeting and the people we were submitted under it at that time said to me, Daniel... I believe that you, you possibly might have the apostle calling in the future, but right now you're more of like a prophet. You're more like a, my prophet for the season. And when they said that, it just it rubbed me very wrongly. I was like, mm, I'm not anybody's prophet but the Lord's. And since that time, it was 12 years later. This was before we moved here, right? Mm-hmm. I had somebody who was part of a church that was connected to Bethel. And they had told me that um, we see you as an evangelist, but more so like our evangelist for this church. And I would be very careful of anybody in the church. I'm actually going to give this one warning about being careful being at a church where a pastor or any leader of any kind is telling you what you're called to be and you belong to them. Mm. You belong to Jesus. You are to submit to pastors and leaders wholeheartedly in humility. Absolutely. But there should not be this fleecing of the sheep that is happening in some levels where people are trying to market off one of each other. And like one of my pastors said a while ago, people hustling. Cannot tell you how many times over the years people have tried to people hustle me. Like, I'm not to be hustled by people. I live for Jesus. I love Jesus. And I just want to proclaim the gospel because he's worthy of that.
1: And I think, too, if we're looking at the church, not just as, like, each individual... What is it? 501c3? Yeah. But, like, the
0: church right there's a church versus the corporate church yeah and there's a difference there really is um one of the guys that i met with one time uh since we've been out in tennessee we talked about that briefly and won't even say that fully because i'm not going to disclose names in a bad way here and there's nothing bad about him but me and him had a talk and he says look he goes you know and he shared the church that he's from and i knew the church he was from was a big church if Mm -hmm. i said the name everybody would know the name And he says, man, I was part of this church. I love this church. He's like, but it is a corporate church. It's the church as a whole is corporate. That part is corporate. They're a business, Daniel. Businesses have agendas. He's like, it's not wrong, but he's like, it's true. Businesses have agendas. They have places they want to go and and growth they want to have. We don't know of any business that doesn't want to grow, right? So we don't know of any church that doesn't want to grow. But I will tell you this, if you grow And I remember this from years ago when I was newly saved and I was cleaning out an apartment from a guy that left. He asked if I would clean out his apartment for him. I found a book and it was a small book. And in there the pastor was going on a sabbatical with the Lord. And he says, where is my finger on what you're doing? Mm. He says, what do you mean, Lord? He says, your church is not growing. It's just getting fat. Mm. And so there's a difference between putting on weight and muscle growth Mm. and building weight. And so, like, it's important that our churches grow, but they grow healthily. Yeah, so there is a difference between the corporate church. And not every 501c3 is bad. I will say this personally. I just kind of mock, not mock, I laugh at the 501c3 because somewhere along the lines, at some point in time, the church began to take the 501c3 as a handout. Well, the 501c3, when you take it, is by the government. It's tax-free. Well, what did Jesus say about that? He said, render unto Caesar what's Caesar, and God's what's God. So the church doesn't pay the government, so we're kind of cool, but there are clauses in the 501c3, period. There are clauses, there are things you have to adhere to. You are submitting yourself to the government. Jesus never would have signed off on Caesar. The apostles never would have signed off on Caesar and been like, hey, yeah, you can keep us from paying taxes if we can do this and we won't talk about this, sure, we'll do that. Never would have happened, okay? Okay. Mm-hmm. And there's a place of honor submitting to governing authorities. Um, that's in 1 Peter 13, I believe. And it's also in another scripture as well. I think it's Romans 13, submitting to the governing authorities. But in that same aspect, we have to remember, Jesus was told, Hey man, Pilate wants to see you. And he says, you tell that fox I'm doing the the, day, the work of the Lord today and tomorrow. On the third day, I will die and rise again. Like He called him a fox though. Mm-hmm. He called it for what it was. A fox is a fox. You know, um, so yeah, there is the corporate 501c3. Um, It it, it can get sticky, I think, sometimes in those situations with the church because then it's like, okay, you have to be careful who you allow preach because they might preach something that might cause trouble for your church. Um, There's a term that's going around today about being vetted before you allow somebody to have a microphone and preach. Right. And I think in that, there's almost a coveting happening of the microphone and in doing so, and this is a warning to pastors and leaders, Mm -hmm. in doing so you are hindering the move of the Holy Spirit. You want revival? Stop coveting your microphone. We're not going to let just anybody up here. Well, then that's fine. Pray and ask the Lord to lead you. Mm -hmm. But when I say this person has to be in the church two years before I'm going to let them ever get up in front of a microphone and preach in front of my church, and they have to have this and they have to have that, and then I go, Holy Spirit, lead me? I'm not saying, Holy Spirit, lead me. I'm saying, Holy Spirit, lead me in these parameters. Mm -hmm. Holy Spirit, lead my church. But Lord, help me to lead my church so that way we make sure that our services are on time and we're out by this time and we're ready for the next service by this time. But Holy Spirit, move. Not saying that's always wrong. Our church has multiple services for good reasons because it is growing. It has multi-campuses. But there's a danger in that where we get more into a place of performance and where we can even say it's for the Holy Spirit. But we are hindering the move of God sometimes in that nature
1: so would you say that the teaching that's given to the people should be more meat and less milk absolutely yeah i i have this picture of like the one room schoolhouse yeah as you're uh talking and um education is so broken up into age and stage right now Mm-hmm. And I think that happens a lot in the church, too, but it's just really kept at primary level mm-hmm. um, to where those kids who are listening to more advanced literature are picking up on more advanced words. Yeah. They have the opportunity to ask the questions. The older ones have the opportunity to to teach the younger ones. And it's actually really beautiful because yeah, we're meant to um, kind of feed off of each other. Like yes. I can learn from you, but then also, you know, Susie in the corner might say something really profound and has the opportunity to, exactly. to share that, but that there's value in all the ages and stages and that we can help each other mm-hmm. in that. But yeah, if you're not even exposed to the advanced things, you don't know that, you have something else to go to.
0: No, absolutely. And I would say this, um, there was a while ago where I heard a message in a church and this message was, it was asking the question, how many of you could um, share the gospel with somebody today? If you needed to present the gospel to somebody today, how many of you could? Mm -hmm. And would you believe it? And probably about a thousand people, maybe 10% raised their hands. Mm -hmm. If that, maybe a hundred people raised their hands out of a thousand people.
1: See, and I feel like I could share the gospel with somebody. I can share the truth of Jesus. I can share that. I don't feel confident in being able to share it in a way that, like, would draw somebody and then that's what they want.
0: That they want Jesus. Yeah. Right. And see, and that's important to say. And like, so... I can
1: talk about salvation in the cross, but, <clears throat> like, taking it next level.
0: Right. And so with that... That church probably since that time, I don't think, has really on a large scale gone back home and been like, okay, we need to stop everything we're doing. This needs to be our focus going forward, period, until we know that the 10% turns to 98 or 100%. Yeah. To where 100% can reach people with the gospel. that's That's mm-hmm. serious business. When we look at the body of Christ and we look at the calling of the Lord when he resurrected and ascended, it was the Great Commission. Go ye all into all nations, preaching the gospel, teaching them, making disciples, teaching them to obey the things that I've taught you. Okay. And so that's the great commission. We're all called to that. And so I would say, and just for your light too, cause we talked about this and stuff too. And, and believe me, I share how to evangelize my wife and I share for her to evangelize people. But I would say even it's a good point that you brought up. How do you share the gospel and make it inviting for people? Um, the other day, I'm actually going to share this. I wasn't going to, but now I'm going to. The other day, I'm at my job, and I can't give out a lot of details for sake, um, but I'm at my job, and one of the people saw somebody outside across the way getting beat up by a girl. There were three girls out there across the way, and they were like, Daniel! They were like, "Out back." And it was it was not on our property, so not my problem, right? Not at all. I was like, "Quick, open this door because it was a side door." And I got out the side door. I put the my hand on the hilt of my gun, and I went charging across the parking lot. I said, "Back off." And he looked at me, and he saw me. And he's like, no, you stay out of it, mind your own business. He had his hand raised with the belt over the girl because he was kicking her. And I said, no, you back off, and you get into your car right now. And he saw the hand that I had on the hilt of my gun. And I couldn't draw my weapon unless there's danger of great bodily harm. And I don't know if he knew that or not, but I think he knew enough to know, I got my hand on my weapon, bro. Yep. He got into his car and he left. Those girls were like, thank you. You saved our life. Thank you so much. And they were just kind of tearful about it. And I said, hey, do you got like a second before you go? Because I wanted to talk to the police. They didn't want to do it. I Mm. think there were some drugs involved. I said, you got a second. They're like, we really got to go. I said, give me a second, please. I said, I just helped you. Give me a second. I got four girls at home. I said, I got a wife that I love you girls are precious to Jesus. Do you believe in Jesus? Yes. Then what are you doing? And it wasn't a condemnation. It was like, who do you think you are? This sin is going to get you killed. You're living lawless. You're going to go to hell. No, it was, what are you doing? Do you not see that Jesus loves you? Do you not see that your life is worth so much more than this? And you're precious to Jesus. And there's a purpose in your life far greater than you're living out. And they were like, thank you. And I know it convicted them and they walked away. And so And it goes back to the book of Jude, babe, that I've talked to you about many times. How to evangelize out of the book of Jude. Evangelism is a a proclamation of the gospel to the people and the hearer. And in the book of Jude, it makes it very clear to make a distinction between those you need to save with, you know, hating even their garments defiled by flesh and some have compassion on. And that's why it's so important we don't make a... Uh, a marketing tool out of evangelism, or we make it down to a certain way. And this is the way that it is because every single person is unique. Every single situation is different. I had a guy come in later that day. He was having breathing issues, could barely breathe. Um, Ben, I believe. And I just said, Hey man, can I pray with you? And he was a believer when we talked and he, he talked about, he has got a black lung that he just got over double pneumonia and stuff. And I said, can I pray with you? And I prayed over him and I blessed him and I spoke healing and while we didn't see it right away, we, we felt the breathing slow down. Praise God. He, he definitely slowed down in his breath. So God was moving in that situation and stuff, but I didn't feel the need to preach the gospel to him. He knows Jesus exists. So it's different to different people, depending on what you're doing and how you're reaching out. So God, I would say this ultimately to anybody feeling like they have a struggle presenting the gospel, right? Ask the Holy spirit for wisdom and grace. Think of it like this. If I could give you a Ferrari right now, and if you don't like Ferraris, if I could give you a Ferrari or a Mercedes-Benz truck, or if I could give you a 1980 Rusty pickup truck, or a 1980s Mustang that's like broken down and barely running, which would you pick? Of course you're going to pick the more precious, right? Mm -hmm. Jesus is the prized possession and desire of the nations. If we don't represent him as such and we cheap him down to something else, people aren't going to desire him. But there's not a single heart out there that's not crying out for a Savior. That if we ask the Holy Spirit for wisdom on how to reach out to them, when we go and reach, that isn't going to be drawn in by the grace and mercy of Jesus.
1: So if the fivefold are all to equip the saints in a snippet, what does that look like?
0: That looks like prophets coming in and teaching, you know, gifting a prophetic because like i said you don't have to be a prophet to speak prophecy how is that true well what does the new testament say about prophecy it says prophecy is edifying of the body the prop the prophetic word of the new testament is affirmation prophetic words are affirmation like god is going to move greatly through your life in this year is that a prophecy sure is that affirms somebody. If they're struggling in that season, feeling like, man, they don't feel like God's involved in their life. I've had women come into Best Buy when I was working back in Michigan and I would see it and men too. And I could see Jesus in their eyes. Mm -hmm. And I'm speaking a prophetic word. Is it really prophetic? It is prophetic because it's affirmation. It's edifying. I would look at them and go, oh man, I just love your heart. I so see Jesus in you. Really? I don't think so, but that's, that's encouraging Oh, I can see the light and I could see because the eye is the lamp of the body and I could see the light of God in their eyes right and so it would so edify and encourage them now does that make me a prophet no because you were asking about that what makes so and so a so and so right no that doesn't make me a prophet I have had it though where I've literally had people come in to the youth group that I was at early on in my faith and walk and it was wild. and So I'm careful now more than ever about speaking prophetic words mm-hmm. because it does, somebody said it too, and it does put the focus sometimes more on people. And then people are like, I have people message me quite often. Man, you got a word for me? Uh, Go to the Bible. Uh, John three sixteen, 16. Uh, John 17, abide in my word. My words abide in you. Bear much fruit. That's your word. Mm-hmm. But I had I had a mom the one time that came in and I was just, I saw her psalm 19 and i don't know if it was psalm 19 but i'm just saying that's what I, I i spoke a word to her and she opened up the bible right there and just began to weep mm-hmm. and i said god's with you god has you in this and i just began to speak things that she had wrestling in her heart that i couldn't have known because i don't remember that, that i think it was the first time i met her mm-hmm. and it just shifted things for her and so the prophet you asked How do you know that this person, how is it evident that God is moving this life? Because the prophecies are confirmed and they're true. It actually says this too, and we're going to go to this. um, And this is also in the Old Testament. Deuteronomy 18.22. When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the thing does not happen or come to pass, that is the thing which the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. He's presuming that's God you shall not be afraid of him. Too often, this scripture is thrown around, touch not God's anointed, when it talks about like, man, I don't agree with so-and-so or or, or this or that. Yeah, and it says, do no harm to the prophets either. I'm gonna use this one for example, just, just because it's so widely known, sadly, but I'm just gonna say it. I wanna say this. We have to be very careful when we name drop aggressively in a way of attacking Joel Osteen man some people would say man yeah he's a false teacher man he's listen you better know that you know and if you're spreading that you better be spreading that to somebody with the hopes that they're gonna go home and pray for Joel to know the Lord more to walk with him closer and to have a greater relationship with him because that's the desire that all of us would be saved and if that's not your story you need to zip your lip and most of us shit anyways we talk too often I've been guilty of this and God has taught me it's been a hard teaching because I've suffered at the hands of people. And some of the people have been internationally known. Mm -hmm. Some of them are still traveling and preaching and they've never apologized. They've never felt wrong. They've trampled over and moved on. I've forgiven them. I have forgiven them. And it's taught me. Jesus learned obedience by the things which he suffered. That's a a mighty scripture. Jesus, the son of God. And, And so I would say to you, Um, The scriptures in Peter, Peter writes in one of his epistles and he says, judge nothing until the Lord comes and when he comes, he will reward each person according to the works. We have so many people today with so many ministries about correcting people or -hmm. calling out false teachers. I had it the other day and I was sharing this with my wife this morning and it's just now come to mind. I was going to show my wife this morning Mm -hmm. a clip from an international minister that I know and I love. I love and I revere this person. I think they're amazing. But they posted something and they said this. They literally said, You can be in unforgiveness and still go to heaven. You're just not going to know God or be known by Him or be close to Him. And that's a dangerous thing. And I commented on this two days ago and I said, That's an error. I said, That's strongly an error. I didn't at them, I didn't mention their name. Mm -hmm. I just said, That's an error. I said, God says, if you don't forgive, neither will your father in heaven forgive you. Many will say on that day, Lord, Lord, this is the basis of our foundation of God known, right? Many will say on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not da, 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 depart from me? I never knew you. Yet this person is saying you don't have to be known by God to go to heaven or forgive. Those things are both in error. So this morning I wanted to show Jody the, uh, the clip taken down. And I'm, hey, cool. Praise God. It was taken down. It was taken down it was edited out and cut short I think that same clip is back up but it's shorter now you know
1: yeah and I will just say um, and you might not even know this Dan but uh, that summer before you and I met I actually um, after getting out of a long-term just broken relationship I really felt like I heard from God, and I didn't know that's what it was. Like when I met you, you like taught me about hearing from God. Yeah. But um, I just heard in my spirit, like finally I can work with you. Yeah. And um, at the time, I had one of Joel Osteen's books. (laughs) Mm Mhm. I think it was like Your Best Life Now or something like that. Yeah. And I can honestly Mm -hmm. say that that book, while it might not be the meat and potatoes and of like sacrifice and sacrificial living for the Lord. Yeah. It did point me to God. It Come did point on. me to Jesus and to as a kind of negative person at times. Yeah. Um, challenged my thinking.
0: Yeah. Yep.
1: So I had fruit. Because Praise of God. It, because of Joel.
0: Yeah. Praise God. And so that's where like y'all have to be really careful and guard that. Listen, when I went out to Israel, I went out with somebody. I'm going to share this now too. When I went with Israel. I went out with somebody to Israel. The person I went out with Israel before I went there, a a friend of ours, and maybe I shared this before, I don't know, but I'm going to use this often because this is very important to keep saying this. I love how it says, um, you know, in the scriptures, (laughs) he goes, it might be, it might seem uh, uh, tedious for me to continue to say the same things over and over again, but I will do it because it's good for you. You know, and Jesus went around in a circuit teaching again and again, the same thing I was reading this morning in John. And I love that how just like, he's like, I am the bread of life. If you eat my flesh and drink my blood, I am the living water. Drink my, he's talking to him. I am the living water. Drink of me, drink of me, drink of me, drink of me. He's saying it over and over and over again. Jesus. Yeah, we heard that man. They told us in Samaria, we're talking about, why are you saying this again? Because it was something he wanted to hit home. Mm -hmm. And so when I went out to Israel, uh, a friend of mine was like, hey, have you heard about him? And do you know that he owns a mansion? And I said, that's really none of my business, what he owns. Like, I really don't care. Like, it's it's not my place t- to, to judge that. I'm going out to Israel because I want to go be with Jesus. And Jesus has called me out there. And I'm excited to go see Israel. While I was out there, one of his business partners talked with me and told me that somebody bought him that mansion. Mm-hmm. Now, if somebody buys you a mansion, are you going to say no? Come on now. Come on now. <laughs> right? And, and so... So, but I didn't know that and I didn't make that judgment, but now my heart was confirmed and man, what if I would have made that judgment? What if I would have not gone out to Israel because of that? And now I'm standing offish and I'm like, man, I missed my chance to go to Israel all because of something I heard from somebody who heard it from someone else, but it wasn't right, which, you know, in a sense, not that they're gossiping, but it is gossip that they're getting it from. And this person one day will stand before the Lord and give an account for that. Mm Mm-hmm. Joel Olstein might stand before the Lord one day and he might suffer loss with some of the things he's taught on or this or that. But he also might have fruit. He, I'll tell you one thing, he's gonna have fruit from the book that he put out that encouraged my wife to draw near to Jesus. And for some of y'all, that might just not sit well. Well, mm-hmm. you know, things that Jesus spoke didn't sit well with people either. So, you know, welcome to the real world. And um, and so it's really important that we see that. So when we see pastors, we, we can see, yeah, there's a nurturing that happens anybody can bear fruits right that's in christ that is walking close to god if you abide in the word and you abide with the lord in the secret place you will bear fruit that's, that's a promise bearing fruit doesn't mean you're called to the ministry mm-hmm. of any a big capacity that just means that you're fruitful and you're walking in obedience to god we're all supposed to study to show ourselves approved i had it one time when i was helping out for an artist that was doing a recording album i was just reading my bible sitting in the green room and I was off to get them dinner a little bit later, but before I was, I was just reading my Bible, and one of their like assistants came over and like, "Oh, you're look at you being a good steward reading your word." I'm like, "So are you a bad steward because you don't read your word? Why am I a good steward? Like this is the word of God. Like I'm not a good steward because I'm reading the word of God. Like this is amazing. Like I'm just I'm enjoying what I love. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, but we have to be really careful, you know. Circling back around what I said about you know this person in the mansion and whatnot. Man, there's there's so many video clips I could send you guys and find out for people that call him a false prophet, and he's he shouldn't own that, and they will all give an account one day. Mm-hmm. They will all give an account.
1: As, I mean, as will he. I mean, yeah. we're all.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. I
1: know. I have blown it on <laughs> epic levels. Yeah, I know? have
0: too. I have too as well, and and it's really it's really hard. Um, it, it's sad with some of the stuff. Like, um, I believe God has called me to the ministry. I, I know this. Um, now what is the ministry it's the reconcile i always believed this in my simplest way of telling y'all the the ministry is the reconciliation of the lost to jesus that's the ministry Mm -hmm. we're all called to be reconcilers of the grace i do believe i am called to travel and preach i have been told this for almost 18 years which is almost some days tormenting if you will Mm -hmm. because i've had people that are internationally known tell me they were going to help me launch out they were going to get my name out there man, we see the gifting on your life, we want to help you, and they never did. And and so over the years, I've had to wrestle through that Mm -hmm. and go, okay, God, what's up? But the biggest thing to me has been, you know, God, you're going to open the doors for me or I'm not gonna walk through them because they don't need to know my name. Yes, there's a gifting on my life. Yes, there's a stewardship that I have stewarded the word of God. There are so many things I could teach and share with when I get before people, right? But God can use anyone for that. And so if God's going to do it. He's going to make a way, but it's going to be in his process of timing. And, and so with all that, since we've been out here, I mean, somebody told me I belong on the front lines preaching and I'm like, oh, and someone else is like, man, you're a pastor through the mouth of two or three witnesses. It'll mm-hmm. be confirmed since I've been out here. I've had multiple people. And one was our babysitter. Bless her heart. Jermaine. Mm-hmm. She's such a sweetheart. It was, I was coming off of a fast. She was sick. And um, I just felt to stop for a minute and pray for her. She's an Egyptian Coptic Christian. And uh, I didn't even know fully what that meant. I didn't know Coptic Christians meant that you were actually a real Egyptian because there's a lot of Arabs now living in Egypt and they're not actually real Egyptians. So a Coptic Christian means you are an Egyptian. I'm like, oh my gosh, you could be like the great, great, great great granddaughter of Pharaoh.
1: Maybe she would be somebody to interview.
0: Yes. Oh, I I think so. Yeah. Yeah, we we will so definitely be doing some interviews. Put a little pin on that. Yep. But. So, but I prayed over her, right? And um, I just prayed briefly, and she began to cry, and I heard the Holy Spirit say, "Stop, Daniel, your work is done." I was like, "Yes, Lord." I said, "Amen." And I told her, I told her to go to her doctor because she was planning on going to her doctor. I didn't tell her don't go to the doctor. I prayed for you. Now it's all good, mm. right? No, we, we we know that doctors are a good things. So she went to her doctor. What I didn't know, and I found out the next day, was when I prayed for her. The presence of God for the first time ever. Mm-hmm. She's been faithfully loving Jesus, walking with Jesus. And for the first time ever, the presence of God came over her like lightning. And she got completely healed of so many things. Mm-hmm. Praise God. God yep, she did She had that. been
1: sick for a few weeks and just wasn't going away. Yep. Yeah.
0: And it makes me think of something we were talking about earlier. So... I would say the darkest season, don't get me wrong, like this feels like a dark time we're walking through because we moved out to Tennessee and obey God and we've like suffered the loss with everything, right? But God's worthy of it all, truly is. And and we know God is going to work this out for his good. We really believe that, Um, you know? And so when COVID hit, this was around the time of COVID, I had had a falling out with the church I was part of. Like I said, she was connected to Bethel and Mm -hmm. she was promising to launch me out. She had emails she would send out for me to go out and travel and preach something. I'd been waiting on at that time, what, 2017? So we're talking probably 2018. We're talking 12 years into my faith. Cool. This is my moment, right? This is my, this is my moment. But she wanted me to help her build her church. And I could see, I could see the heart of it was to build the church and cause it to grow, even if it wasn't muscle. And I was like, no, I'm not going to be using my gifting to manipulate people to come to your church so you can grow in your capacity. And so when I kind of like stepped away from that, there was an attack that came from them towards us and we lost friends because of that. And man, if I really was hungry for my calling, that was my time just to, you know, compromise integrity a little bit. And man, I'd be out traveling and preaching probably right now, right? I don't care about the calling not the cost of my integrity. And my calling is Christ Jesus to love him and live for him. But during that time, after that, we had just, we had no one around us. Right. And I really was just struggling. It was probably the hardest season of depression I was walking through, but it's interesting because what is in you will come out of you. Mm -hmm. And I remember during that season, you had said that to me, I would um, be out just going and getting stuff just at the stores. And I saw people that needed prayer, needed this and that. Mm -hmm. And I would continually reach out to them, right? And you said.
1: Why? Why are you doing that when you can't encourage yourself?
0: I was feeling so discouraged, right? Mm -hmm. And I wasn't able to get myself up out of that place. But I saw people in need. And what is in me, Holy Spirit living in me, came out of me for the sake of the person around me that wasn't me trying to pop off and like man look at me I'm a I'm a believer it wasn't that at all but here's the thing this is truth this is this is good this is truth this is a bottle of water right this is refreshing if i'm not able to find myself water in the time that i need water but i know that you need water and i'm able to get you water Am I going to deny you water because I can't drink of it either? Or am I going to give you water? The Bible actually teaches that those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. And so I told her, and I'll tell y'all, like for me, even when I'm struggling and wrestling out the belief of truth in my own life for me, I'm never going to deny somebody the opportunity of the grace of God that he's given me to give them truth that might encourage them and bless them because I want everybody to climb the mountain of God and be close to God, even if they're closer than I am. I don't understand sometimes all the craziness we've gone through as why we've gone through it, but I do know this. God is good. God is faithful. He sees me, and every opportunity I have to edify someone else and encourage someone else, I'm going to. Mm-hmm. I don't put aside truth because I'm having a bad day.
1: And it just make me think of the, yay, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me." Mm-hmm. You know, just that there there are valleys that we go through, mm-hmm. yep, and we... it can feel like death, even if it's not death. <laughs> yeah, uh, that there's comfort that He's there. Mm-hmm. And we need a lot of comfort sometimes. Um,
0: yeah, we do. You know, I would say with the fivefold today, my purpose and, and our purpose and goal has been just to encourage you and to help you understand the need for the body. Mm-hmm. I think we're kind of bring this to a close, but I think in bringing this to a close, I want to say this and I want to have this as a special message for anybody listening. Um, I had something written down earlier I was going to say, and I really just deleted that. I felt like not important to, to say all that. What I want to say is this I'm not calling you to church hop. Mm-hmm. I don't think church hopping is good. I don't think church shopping is good. I think that's mm-hmm. stupid. <laughs> I think, sorry if you take that offensively, I think there's the church and the corporate church. Either way, it's a local body. Mm-hmm. If tomorrow our pastor said, hey, we're going to start meeting out in the caves of Tennessee, I'd be like, cool, we'll be there. Why are you going to go out in the caves and meet? Because that's where our pastor is leading the flock. And God said, don't forsake the fellowship assembling of one another. And God has called us to this church in this time and season. And it's good soil. It's not good soil. And our pastors are good pastors. It's not good soil because our pastors are good pastors and they preach everything right on. And we agree with everything they say. It's good soil because it's challenging me. And it's causing adversity in my heart, wrestling things out in my life and causing me to grow. You are in good soil if that thing is causing you to grow and change and be transformed and draw near to Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so the Bible actually teaches us in the word. And it goes on after, you know, he gave some apostles, prophets and teachers. I love this. It actually says that Christ, and this is in verse uh, 15, Christ from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which each part does its share. Causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So last week I got to run into somebody at our church, and uh, I just I was like, "Hey man, have you are you helping out here in the church Why not?" And he just kind of had this like, "No, I know I'm being selfish, and I should." And I said, "Hey, no, I'm not not at all. I don't think you're being selfish." But I said, "You know what? I said there's a gift of God on your life. There's a gift of God in my life. There's a gift of God in everybody's life." And I said, "What I do believe." is I said that you have a gifting on your life. And I think actually now that I'm thinking about, it, I think pastor was actually talking about the gifting and stewarding your gifting and letting it grow. Oh, I just okay. thought about that, wow. Yeah. So so actually what I was saying, but, but this was right before the service started. And I said to him, I said, you have a gift. And I said, ask the pastors however they need you to serve and then come serve. Because when you do that, you get to grow, like we said earlier, and they grow because of the gifting that you have. But God knits the body together as he sees fit. I cannot tell you how many people I've run into. I'm like, hey, where are you going to church? Where are you fellowshipping? Oh, we haven't found a place that suits our needs yet. It's not about your needs. It's not about you. Why are you looking for a place that suits our needs? Mm -hmm. Well, we haven't found a place that's best for our family yet. It's not about what's best for your family. Mm -hmm. He knits the body together as he sees fit. And I've said to most of these people, have you prayed and asked the Lord where he wants you to be? No, I never really thought about that it's a good place to start. Christ is the head. We're the body. Where does he want you to be? And so I'm not saying if you're at some place right now and you've never prayed that, you're like, oh, I better leave this place then and go home until I find where God wants me to be. No, where you are might very well be the place you want me to be. I'm not telling you to church hop. But in that same aspect, if you aren't there because God called you to be there, where does God want you to be? That's important to know that. And then wherever he wants you to be, stay there. Even when the tough time comes, even when things happen that you don't agree with and find out how you can serve. I know full well every pastor would be like clapping their hands and amening this is what I'm about to say right now. In most churches, you'll find less than half are probably actually helping and serving. And if everybody did it share in part, they would have to tell people, hey, man, sorry, we just don't need help this week. We don't need help this month. We don't need help this year. We are lined up and good to go for the rest of the year. We have thousands of people that go to our church. If everybody helped out, man, everybody would be helping out maybe once a month, right? Right. But but some people, man, I'm busy, but no, you don't understand, I got kids. and Man, I didn't feel really like a good dad last week when our two youngest were sitting there on their tablets for an hour or so, but I was helping out with the load-in team. We were loading in and loading out stuff. And my wife was helping out with guest services last week. So two of our girls were sitting there playing on their tablets for a little over an hour. But I didn't feel bad about that. We don't give them screen time all the time, but that's what we needed them to do so we could help do our part and our share and we could encourage people. And so I really want to challenge you as we close this up. The fivefold is meant to equip you for the working of ministry. Is your pastor. Or is somebody in your church leadership equipping you to go do the working of ministry? If not, that's something you need to pray about to ask the pastor how he can help you do that or how she can help you do that, all right? And then I also want to say to you this, is that if they are, are you doing it? If not, you're not being obedient. And if that's the case and you're questioning, God, where are you in my life? Where are you in your obedience? Mm -hmm. You're not supposed to just go to a church on Sunday, drop off your tithe and call it a day. Like that's, that's not it. Like I did my part, my weekly stamp, right? This isn't a this isn't a VFW ball. Like you know, you're a you're a vet and you're just there once a week to play your bingo. Like you are there to serve and give your heart fully to the body of Christ and go God, however you want me to serve here, whatever you want of my life. Every day, my life is yours, Jesus. Whatever you want, that's what I want it to be. And that's when we will see revival. Amen. Awesome. Well, we love you guys as always. You know the best things we can tell you, man. If, if this has been a blessing to, please leave a response, a review, a rating. Share it with people. We'll never ask you guys for money. So if you hear it, it didn't come from us and it definitely wasn't us. We love you guys. And until next time, God bless you and have a great day.